What the hell? <gasps> Linguo, dead. Linguo is dead. Four finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode CABF14. It is, in my opinion, the best episode of season 12. It is Trilogy of Error. I am Dando. I am Guy, and uh, let's just say that anything is improvement after our trip to Africa last episode. No, Trilogy of Error, not bad. Had a few good laughs in this one, I, in, admired the ingenious structure, and um, yeah, got a few good giggles out of it. So, what more would you want from a Simpsons episode? I ask you, Dando. I can't answer that question. This is the thing. I maybe see. I, I say it's the best episode. To me, it's my. I should say it's my favorite episode of season twelve. I think the best episodes are the ones that have a, a cohesive, solid story, and, and but one that's also got a few laughs. This one for me, I didn't laugh overly much. I just really appreciate the episodes where they just go outside the box and try something different. And this one is very similar to like twenty-two short films about Springfield, where. It's just all these stories that intertwine, and as you mentioned there, it was just it was done in such a such a creative way where there were a few sort of plot holes that you know you sort of just turn a blind eye to. But I think overall, this episode, the way Matt Salmon wrote it, he considers it the best episode he's ever written. Matt Salmon, I think the way he was able to intertwine the three stories and drop little teases in, like for example, so you kick off with Homer's story and the. In, in, in Homer and Lisa's story, you get Bart saying, it's Millhouse, and he's got big news. And you're like, well, what is this big news? You know, like it, it, that, things like that make you want to keep watching. But, you know, you see Linguo explode at the end of Homer's day and you think, well, how the hell did that happen? You don't find out till yeah. later on. And all these different things intertwine. I just think, yeah, it was just really cohesive and very well put together. Indeed. So, with, yeah, at the risk of uh, dropping a little bit of a spoiler, but hey, you've probably already seen this episode, haven't you? Um yeah, I think Mr. Teeny is being a bit harsh at the end when he said, this plot makes no sense. Tell the people. I'm well, like, I think it, it, this this probably made more sense than just about any plot this season. <laughs> I reckon it has. But, you know, Mr. Teeny is a monkey and therefore not as bright as human beings. I do feel like uh, Mr. Teeny is one of the most underutilised characters because whenever they subtitle him, it's always a good laugh. I have no idea what you're <laughs> saying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got the same hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some good choice Wiggum this time around. I, uh, we've obviously already reviewed this, uh, Mitch and myself, back a couple of years ago now, I believe <laughs> it was. Um, it's available exclusively for patrons. She's going to be a $1 plus patron to get access to that. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to go into this. I'm not going to re-listen to that review. I have no idea what I said in that review. I wanted to go in fresh again. I completely forgot what I discussed. I'll probably repeat myself than what I, with a few <laughs> things of what I said in that review, but I don't care. I'm talking to you now, Mr. Guy Davis, and that's all that matters. And I, I love this episode. I was really looking forward to going into it, and I thought, I just hope it's as good as I remember it being, and yes, it was. It was just a lot of fun. Well, the fun part is Dando didn't go back and revisit, but I did go back and revisit that episode. Well, I mean, that uh, that podcast, and I'm basically just going to repeat what Mitch said. <laughs> you're just going to push why, play. Why you're mess just with perfection? Push play. You just push, push play and just have Mitch's comments yes, exactly. throughout the podcast. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I just thought, yeah, it was really, really well done. So this was, I'll let you explain. It's a parody of which film, Mr. Davis? Uh, that's a very good question, actually, because it's, 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 uh, it's meant to be based, based so, not solely, but like mostly on Go. 
Right. Okay. Yes. Because I mean, there was there was a stage in the uh, well, sort of certainly in the wake of Pulp Fiction, where uh, filmmakers started playing a bit fast and loose with chronology, with timelines, and having multiple things going on in the one multiple narratives within one overarching narrative. And Go, yeah, the nineteen ninety nine movie, I want to say, uh, directed by the great, if somewhat erratic, Doug Lyman who uh, directed The Born Identity, The Marvelous Edge of Tomorrow, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, among others. So uh, You were correct, yeah, by the way. It was 1999. I just looked it up. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> an, early, an early role for, um, I want to say, friend of the podcast, but we'd like him to be our friend, Timothy Oliphant, um, in Go. And that's one of the roles where everyone started going, Who's this guy? I think we like seeing him on screen. Mm. Uh, can he play, sort of, can a, he play in a Western? That's the thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is um, it's very much a departure from his kind of uh, uh, Raylan Givens, Cobb Vanth kind of uh, cowboy roles. He's playing like a, mm, I don't know if he, if it's a contradiction in terms, but he's a low key hyperactive drug dealer. Okay, uh, who um, yeah, is a bit it's a bit sleazy, a bit uh, you know, a bit walk on the wild side, but that proves irresistible to young Katie Holmes making one of her first film appearances in the um, in Go. It's, it's a good show. I mean, another one that it's sort of, um, that this episode that Trilogy ever pays tribute to, uh, it's fairly writ large because, I mean, they mention it in the, in, the, um, in the subtitles, that the music that's playing when Lisa is sort of running around town trying to get Linguo to the school fair is from a German movie called Run, Lola, Run. Mm. Uh, yeah, from uh, 1998, which uh, also has, sort of has, I've written down in my notes here, Hmm, might be time to drag out my Run, Roll, Run DVD, which I don't think I've watched in two decades, as you can tell by the term DVD. As I'm <laughs> I was about to say. Um, <laughs> on my VHS. I've got to play some 78s. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's another um, another story that sort of tells the same incident from multiple points of view. Doesn't that start, doesn't that start what's a face from Fifth Element? Uh, no, but it does look like it. Looks like it. Yeah, I've the, never actually seen Run Lola Run, but I was at the cover and I'm like, ah, oh, it's Fifth Element Girl. <laughs> it is not Mila Jovovich from, but uh, I think they sort of uh, might have bitten the style of, because um, I think Fifth Element came out before Run Lola Run, but it's an actra, actress or actor, if we want to be neutral about things, named Franca Potente, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, later showed up in Bringing It Full Circle once again, people, The Born Identity, as previously mentioned five minutes ago. Oh, there. that's the end of this episode. Hang on. Oh, I just dropped the mic. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> Time to pick up the mic. Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so there you go, people. That's the movie or the episode. The structure of it is based mostly on Go, but yeah, like you said, it's got elements of Pulp Fiction. I, I always, before I read about the, the, the it being about Go, I always saw it as a Pulp Fiction sort of parody with the, the way the stories intertwine and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Uh, what do you think You'll of? Forgive uh, me, Dando. I, d- I didn't do my research properly, and I didn't get the Go reference. But I'm glad that you brought it up because Go, yeah, Go is actually a pretty fun movie. It says here that um, them stealing Wolfcastle's car is a direct take from the film. Ah, well, again, I think it's been a long time since I've seen Go, which I do not have on DVD, Blu-ray, or any home entertainment format. Uh, so I'm gonna have to, you know, scout around the streamers and see if it's going anywhere. But uh, oh, they they stole. Was it a, was it a Ferrari or was it just a generic kind of Italian a sports a Ferrari? Game, yeah. Okay then. Hmm. Uh, so uh, with this episode trilogy of error, the structure of it all, I enjoyed myself so much, and I may have mentioned this last time we did the review when I did it with Mitch. Was that 
I feel like this could almost have been an annual tradition, much like Trias of Horror, where they took three different stories. It doesn't have to always be Bart, Lisa, and Homer. It could be any three characters and somehow, yeah. you know, intertwine the stories. I think it'd just be a really a really good annual tradition they should have sort of, you know, sliced into the into the show. Cause something that's sort of like a, a post-golden era tradition, you know? I think so, yeah. Either something like that or, you know, 22 short films about Springfield. I think, uh, yeah, I don't think it's something you necessarily need to drag out every year, but I think it is a both sturdy and interesting enough concept to, yeah, bring in, bring back every few seasons because, you know, you may be introducing new characters or, or characters may have gone through changes that you might want to highlight or whatever. Uh, or, you know, they just may be semi-familiar faces that uh, deserve a little more time in the spotlight. I think I think that's a really good idea, Dan. I mean, I'd, I'd be happy, more than happy to see another trilogy of error or series of short films, you know, about life in Springfield. I think that'd be great. This episode being so good, like so entertaining, it makes you question, you know, we're up to, this is episode 18, I believe, of season 12. It's the, the quality has just been so hit and miss. It just makes you think, how? You know, is it a case of there's too many chefs in the kitchen when it comes to the writer's room? Or do you think because this was a different concept that Matt Salmon, you know, contributed, put, put more time into it, more effort into it? Like, what, what do you think it is? Or how, how can you have such a inconsistency when it comes to quality and just cohesiveness of your story? Like, I mean, how many episodes end now with, a, with, an, with an ending that doesn't even really make any sense? It's just, oh, well, we've run yeah. out of time. You think, well, if they can deliver this still, why can't they keep delivering this? It's 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 an interesting one to ponder because I mean you wonder if there is a great deal of sort of diversity of point of view in the writers' room and you get sort of different things as a result, or if there's kind of a contagion effect where you know you've got a lot of smart creative people. I'm putting quote marks around all those. No, 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 no. They're, they're smart creative people for the most part. I'm going to say they are all you put them smart, all in the same room. People and far more successful than I am. So, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. but they're. Um, their influences, they may start to sort of bleed into one another and, you know, there becomes like a predominant sense of humour in the room that thinks, yeah, ending, ending an episode this way is, yeah, kind of funny. And before you before you know it, you've done one too many episodes that way or maybe three too many episodes that way and, uh, yeah, you're starting to sort of set the fans' teeth on edge. It's an, it's an interesting um, thing to ponder. And, yeah, I, I look, without being in the room, I couldn't really tell you, but, I mean... Uh, yeah, you're you're right about the sort of very haphazard nature of um, of quality, certainly. Because it's, it's funny um, because you considered last week's episode to be the dirt worst of the season, and this one is always considered to be one of the best of post season ten ever of of every episode that's come since season ten. Everyone okay. always really enjoys this episode. I love this episode. It would I think this would be in my would it be my top twenty? I'd have to really sit down and have a proper think about it. But it, it could I'd seriously be considering it up there. It's funny how you can go from the dirt worst to the consider arguably the, the the best of the season in this in the matter of two weeks. It's just bizarre. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that the writers' room in The Simpsons is different to say that of South Park, where it looked like they were sort of, you know, writing the episode up to the very last minute that they could, and you know, really sort of banging it out to make it to the actual air date. Um, whereas with these guys, you would assume that The Simpsons are fairly sort of you know, smooth running machine by this stage. They would have scripts, you know, ready to go or they would be worked on throughout the year. You know, I, maybe they're thinking seasons in advance or something like that. This is all highly speculative on my part. But, uh, yeah, you know, maybe 
some tighter scripts are, you know, still being worked on while other that seem a bit more slapdash have already been sort of punched out, you know, and then, you know, maybe you've got people in some executive suite who have got like a big, you know, board full of post-it notes going, oh, well, Trilogy of Error, uh, maybe it's better as episode 18 as opposed to episode 14 or something like that. Maybe they they, they, looked the, they looked at all the episodes on the board and went, Simpsons Safari, probably not going to be going down too well. Let's follow it up with a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm thinking that is, uh, that is more likely than not. Uh, what did you think of the of the story as a whole? Anyway, because I, I thought there was nothing that was really too ridiculous in this. Maybe Homer's thumb was a little bit silly, but still, nothing felt too sort of uh, I don't know. Sort of, it, it was no, nothing was offensive to the viewer. Yeah, look, I, I think they stretched the bounds of <laughs> the bounds of credibility. Not the bounds of credibility. I don't know what that means. Um, I think they stretched them about as far as they could go without them snapping. I mean. Uh, you know, Homer sort of traipsing his thumb around all that time. and uh, Lisa creating like an AI. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was, um, you know, and um, the, you know, two, uh, two little boys being sort of roped into being uh, confidential informants for Wiggum, that kind of stuff. I mean, you, yeah, you're pushing it, guys. But, I mean, not so much that... Uh, yeah, look, it's... <laughs> if the realms of possibility are here, um, yeah, these storylines are... Tiptoeing around it, maybe just on the outside of it. Hey, my favourite! All right, Mr. Davis, what was your favourite moment from this episode? Um, a lot of good Lou stuff in this um in this episode. Well, actually, when I say a lot, I mean two, but they were close to one another, and they both made me laugh. Uh, where he's talking about if he could hold his gun sideways, um, very much a a trope of early to late nineties and early two thousands action movies. Um, of course you can, whatever you want, birthday boy. <laughs> <laughs> and then referring to um, fireworks as Chinese sky candy, which mm. I'm, I'm I'm always a sap for anyone giving like an elaborate street name to um, you know like a drug or any form of contraband or anything. That's always fun for mine. So um, there's a lot of little bits in it that I really enjoyed. I mean, whether it's just like a line like "Hey, they throw at robots," or <laughs> um, or any appearance by Joe Montana as Fat Tony. Um, and I, I'm assuming it was Frankie Muniz played young uh, Lisa's young love interest. Polonius, yes. I was going to get to it when we get to him, but yeah, let's talk about him now. I thought it's one of those sort of guest roles that they don't sort of go, hey, by the way, it's Frankie Muniz, you know? And I, honestly, I don't think you could really, unless you're a fa- like a big fan of Frankie, I don't think you'd really even know it was him. I, I did not. I mean, and I was never like a huge uh, Malcolm fan either. So, um, but I've, I do have a sort of a soft spot for, you know, child stars who get out, you know, well, yeah, or get out of, you know, um, push, jump or were pushed, let's say, because I mean, you know, you sort of look Frankie, the, the teenage years didn't, weren't that kind to Frankie Muniz, let's say. Um, but didn't he just sort of want out after Malcolm in the Middle though? I believe that is probably the case. I mean, I've seen him pop up in like one or two. Pro- I think, was he in a Sharknado? I think he popped up in a Sharknado. I have no idea. The only film I know about him is Agent Cody Banks. Oh, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I mean, I get asked this, this question about when I'm a bit, a bit from my film reviewing days. It's like, oh, did you ever want to walk out on a movie? And I'm like, well, no, I'm a professional. I'm there to do a job. I'm going to have to sit through, you know, 
any movie, even if it's the worst piece of shit, I swear to God, I nearly walked out of, not Agent Cody Banks, Agent Cody Banks 2, colon, Destination London. It was so terrible. Oh, not a fan? It. It, it was worse than Simpsons Safari. Really? <laughs> it was terrible. That, that, was God, hot, I, that was hot garbage, according to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I like what he did in this. I mean, I'm, you know, like I said, not really a Malcolm fan, so I wouldn't really be able to sort of pick his voice out of a lineup, but it didn't. This sounded like maybe his voice had broken a bit or he was getting a, maybe a bit older or something because he, he, I don't know, it was a good performance by young Mr. Muniz as, as Thelonious. Which is funny considering he's playing an eight-year-old. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's actually, it's a kind of sad that they didn't bring this character back because he and Lisa were like the perfect match. Absolutely they were. I, I was actually hoping at the end of this episode, like, Oh, I hope she makes a, you know, I hope they eventually do end up at that magnet school together or, you know, that she even sort of sneaks back across town to go to West, Fing- West uh, Springfield Elementary and just catch up with Thelonious again. He looked like he needed a friend and, well, so did Lisa. I'm just looking up Agent Cody Banks too. It's got 14% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it seems like a lot of people agree with you. <laughs> when did that come out? Is that like 2000 and what? 2002? 2004. Okay. Ooh. I guess the first one probably came out in 2001. But anyway, enough about Asian Cody Banks. So, what did you enjoy? My favorite moment, I really enjoyed Homer. So, he's got his thumb cut off and then he tries to hitchhike a ride and he can't work out why it's not working. I knew that he wouldn't twig that he could use his other hand. But yeah. at the same time, I was kind of yelling at the screen, Your other hand! Your other hand! <laughs> I just liked the fact that they didn't dumb it down for the for the viewer and go, him look at his hand and go, oh, oh, that's right. You know, it's just, yeah. why isn't this working? <laughs> <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. Okay, this week's is brought to you by our beloved $20 patrons, as always. Let's read through their names. We've got uh, Jordan, Mole Man, Richie, the man himself, Nick Barbaro. Congratulations, Nick, on finally getting back over to WA and seeing your family, by the way. Uh, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby. Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, sounds like a superhero, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, hope you're doing uh, doing well with your groundskeeping, sir, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Hedge, uh, Sean Davey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Belson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James, bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, Nicole Catalina Wymixer, George McMenemy, Zach Pruitt, and Jonathan Rossi. Looking forward to chatting to you guys on Zoom in the near future, hopefully before Christmas. Uh, also, shout-outs to our new patrons. We've got Kenny Horn, Scott Abbott, Robert Dyson, Bo Willis, and Victoria Smith. Thank you so much for jumping on board with Patreon, and I hope you enjoy all the exclusive content you find here. But now, Mr. Davis, it's time we get into some trivia. Can I kick off this week? Would you Would you allow me the, the I have the, uh, privilege? zero objections to that, Mr. Dando. You go right ahead. Alrighty. What did the sign say at Dr. Nick's clinic at the front? Oh, if you can put it in, we can get it out? Yeah, we can take it out. That's full oh. points for you. Well done, sir. Oh, okay. I must... Uh, yeah, there was a lot of sort of off-colour gags in this one, and most of them sort of medical-related. Well, not that many, but I mean, um, yeah, certainly, you know, the, the old sea captain at Dr. Nick's, I mean, it's oh, not. Oh yeah, the lengthening and the widening. One can fairly easily surmise that uh, you know what's getting lengthened and widened here, and it's certainly not not, uh, not his pinky toe. 
It's certainly not the SS uh, Sea Captain, or what, well, whatever his boat is. He's not getting any Renos done on that bad boy. Um, what, do you, what, do you think, what do you think Sea Captain calls his, his little captain? Um, I, I would imagine the Kraken. I would say, uh, I think it's... <laughs> I imagine when it's time for love and it's time to release the Kraken. <laughs> That's awesome. What's your yeah. first question? Um, when Homer is uh, trying to make his way to Shelbyville to get his thumb reattached, how far is it when he sees the sign? Uh, twenty miles. Twenty. Twenty, 20 miles. miles. Twenty miles is correct. And uh, mm. yeah, that's where he gives up. He's like, "Nope, it's time to say goodbye to your brother." Little fun. <laughs> uh, my next question is: How many beautiful women did Marge supposedly catch Homer in bed with? What well, that was the story. Oh, was it four? Four. Well done. Yes, that's also my go-to number for when I, you know, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm teasing the lovely Louise. No. Um, okay. According to the newspaper, who has reached an agreement this spring? Ah, man, I was going to read the paper and I thought, by the time I looked at it, every time it was gone. So what was it? I don't know the answer. It was picnickers and ants. Picnickers and ants. I remember seeing the word ants at the start of the headline. Yeah. That was a good way of sort of, the way they had that that specific scene with Flanders and his bin and whatnot at the start of the episode to just sort of remind you, all right, we've it's gone good, back to this point again, you know? It's a good reset. I mean, uh, I think the best example of that, of that ever is probably Groundhog Day. But, uh, mm, yeah, true. You know, with, with Babe, I Got You, Babe, is just like, oh, we're back here again. So, um, But this was a good one too. I like that. Um, was it my, your final, my final question is, okay. what in... In the Ferrari, in Renier, Renier Wolfcastle's Ferrari, instead of saying empty on the fuel gauge, what does it say? <laughs> I had this question as okay. well. <laughs> <laughs> Mamma mia! Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you know what it means? What it, do, you know, do you remember what it says when it's full? No, I didn't look. What does it say? It says abondanda, which I believe is abundant. Oh, okay, okay. Um, uh, but I'm um, very, very funny gag. Blinking, you miss it kind of deal, but yeah, good stuff. <laughs> Okay, well, I've that's rules out that question. I've, but I've, I'll give- I've, I've got one more replacement just in case I uh, stole one of yours. Okay, so, well, final I'll question go. here from mm-hmm. Dando: the classroom that Lisa enters at West Springfield Elementary is class number what? Oh, well, I missed that entirely, so I'm missing this question think, entirely. Think of a number that I said before when you're talking about Thelonious. Mm-hmm. He's only what? Oh, eight. Eight. Well done. <laughs> oh, wow. You, you, you were laying some impressive breadcrumbs there, Dando. Nice work, mate. You're almost as intellectually sort of astute as this episode. Do I get to ask one more question or have I already oh, asked Oh, if you've got mate? one, hit me, man. Let's do it. I do. Um, how, to Millhouse, how does it feel riding a girl's bike? Uh, like, it's like it's uncomfortably uncomfortably or disturbingly comfortable or something like that. It is indeed disturbingly comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> All righty, well, that is trivia for Trilogy of Error. And now it is time for... Oh, by the way, just before we get into the review, Trilogy of Error, mm-hmm. a play on what? Um, Trilogy of Terror, I yeah. believe. Which, Scared um, the hell out of me as a kid. Indeed. We're, in our days at pop culture, yours are still going on, mine are behind me. Um, you would occasionally see someone Lucky buying you. the... The evil, <laughs> the evil doll from the uh, mm. third chapter of Trilogy of Terror, which used to well, I remember seeing it on Channel Nine back in the day. I think I think I first saw it when I was probably about Thelonious's age. I was probably about eight, um, 
and yeah, scare the absolute wiggins out of me. It's still scary, yeah. man. It is the. I think it's called the Zoomy or the Zuma doll. It's, it's, it's zoo something, yeah. Yes, yes. Just little, he's just like, <laughs> yeah, he's terrifying. <laughs> he is indeed. So yeah, Trilogy of Error play on Trilogy of Terror. All righty. So Trilogy of Error originally aired in the United States on April 29th, 2001. The chopboard gag fire is not the cleanser and the couch gag is one uh, of where they're all skateboarding and Homer's skateboard flies up in the air, comes down and hits him in the head. Speaking of skateboarding, so there's a, a video game since skateboarding, which I didn't really like as a kid, but this episode, I think one of the reasons I liked it so much back when it first aired as well was there was this game that came out in, I want to say, 2003 called Simpsons Hit and Run, and it's considered by <laughs> basically every Simpsons fan as the best Simpsons game ever released. It's it's actually my favorite video game of all time. I still play it to this day. It's amazing. But the basis of the of the game is that you have to hop in the car and drive around and complete missions. So the whole, you know, Marge having to drive here and then Homer getting a lift with Cletus because you can drive Cletus's uh, ah. his car in the game and all there's lots of driving around at various places to solve to solve puzzles and whatnot in the game. This episode is very much like that, and I think that's another element of why I liked this episode so much. It just reminded me of playing that incredible game. Interesting point, Dandra. I didn't know about that, mate. Uh, so the episode kicks off with, as we mentioned, Flanders bin getting destroyed and the son of a diddly, and we commence with hope. <laughs> Homer's day. Uh, Homer's just shaving here, there, and everywhere. Is he shaving, or what's he? What's he rubbing down there? He's, he's, he's applying a bit of deodorant. Which um, deodorant? Okay. Which let Let's be honest. When you're a when you're a dude and carrying around a little extra weight, I mean, you do want to make it smell a bit nicer downstairs. I don't know about using uh, deodorant on, on that, Homer. I think that was probably a poor move on your part, but still. We kick off with Homer's day, like we said, and Marge has made some. Cereal for breakfast, which is disappointed at home because he likes things fried and chicken fried. <laughs> we get the uh, the little tease for Bart's story. So the millhouse is at the door and he's got big news. Lisa then suggests to Homer as a way to get away from the breakfast cereal, because it's not very nice, uh, that she shows him her science project, which we soon, soon learn to be linguo. Homer here was pretty good. I don't know, Lisa, but I sure don't want to stick around and have this crappy breakfast. <laughs> I, I, then, are you, do you ever get worried when, you know, you watch, it, it's any action movie or, look, it could be The Mandalorian or whatever, when, you know, someone decides to take charge and they say to the person alongside them, just play along. And I'm like, yeah, I'd be so stuffed. If you know, <laughs> if I was in some life-threatening situation, but I was with some alpha dude like you, Dando, and you said to me, "All right, guy, just play along," I'm like, "What? <laughs> I don't know what you're gonna do. I'm not that good at improviser." That's where you would go, "Play along with what, Dando?" <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it, and we'd end up dead. But um, so I'm all I'm. I always am both amused and slightly terrified by you know people failing to play along in some kind of schemes like follow my lead I'm like no I can't, I can't. Uh, so I also did enjoy Homer's little he, he walks off with Lisa comes back in and gives Marge one last wink but I did I did kind of feel bad for Marge here though because she made she made the effort to make them cereal and they just shit all over it you know well true but it does look like that you know some looks like weird like, like European yeah, what it looked like a cross between like muesli and caramel or caramelized. Like it was all chewy and yeah. Not well, good. actually, I mean, well, now that you put it that way, I mean, you did. I wasn't thinking about caramel before. It's like mm, caramel. caramelized yeah. cereal. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Lisa introduces Linguo. Homer accidentally ruins him because he thought he was a party robot. I, mean- <laughs> I did get a good laugh at it. <laughs> Sorry, I thought he was a party robot. A la, you know, the robot in Rocky Four or something. Yes. Uh, it's just what I liked here is that Homer he does he fucks it up, but he he wasn't meaning to. You know, he actually made he just made an honest mistake there. Oh yeah, he just thought everyone was there for a good time. Meet Linguo, the grammar robot. I built him all by myself. If you misuse language, he'll correct you. Well, let's put him to the test. Me love beer. I love beer. Oh, he loves beer. You little fella. Dad, no! Garrar. I'm sorry. I thought he was a party robot. Oh, this is why I can't have nice things. Actually, there's a quote here that she says, this is why I can't have nice things. This is my life now with a two-year-old around the house. <laughs> oh, no. I'm oh, constantly just really? saying, this is why I can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> so Marge has cooked brownies and Homer is very eager to try one and she accidentally cuts off his thumb. How gross Indeed. is it? The blood's spreading out and there's a sound effect. Yeah. Mm, yeah, but I mean, Homer's trying all manner of tactics to you know get in there sneakily as possible. I mean, he's even saying, look out for the reach around. Hey, wait a minute. Um, oh, my, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, you know, sheltered listeners may want to Google the term reach around. Go ahead. Uh, the, uh, what, you, you what's the worst you, that could happen? Yeah, on on your work computer. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't do it on your home computer. I mean, it's, it's a technical term. Go to work and do it. <laughs> okay. No, no. We need, to, we need to indemnify ourselves. Don't do it at work. <laughs> Probably don't even do it at home if your if your partner or your parents or whatever aren't open minded. I love the so doesn't put the thumbs on the hand, Marge. <laughs> <laughs> she says we can just put it back on. Put it back on. This isn't Gattaca. <laughs> oh man, there are- Gattaca is one of those films that sort of like a lot of people have forgotten about the film Gattaca, but because I had to do a school project on Gattaca, it's just instilled in my memory. It's just I can't remember whether it was a good film or a bad film though. It's a good film. I've well, to, to the best of my recollection, certainly. I mean, again, like the two films I've mentioned, it's been maybe 20 years since I've seen it, but I do recall it being good. Um, yeah, terrific cast too. Young Ethan Hawke, mm, Uma Thurman, yeah. Jude Law. Oh, that's right. Jude Law, is the, he's double, isn't he? That's right. He is, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, what's his name? Is it Matt Selman, you said, who, who wrote this episode? Who wrote it? Yes, Matt Selman. Yep. Yeah, I think he did some fine work in this. Some some good references like that, and a couple of a couple of zippy lines. Yeah, I, I would agree with Matt. Nice work it's on a, the scripting, buddy. It's amazing what they can do when they try. So Santa's little helper has grabbed the thumb. How horrifying would it be if your thumb's just been cut off and your dog's just run off with it? Oh, I know. Yeah, that's. I must admit, yeah, for an episode that's fairly sort of. You know, breezy and funny and all that kind of stuff. There was a lot of stress-inducing stuff in it. Yeah, I mean, just all three stories are stress-inducing. Yeah, but particularly, yeah, that if you'd lost some sort of uh, yeah vital (laughs) vital organ or even just something vital, and your and your thumb runs off. The thumb is the one thing you don't want to lose. The thumb is what does that's what separates us from the monkeys, as Hawkeye once said. Oh God, yeah, I would rather lose two fingers on a hand than a thumb. Oh, I'd rather lose all fingers and a thumb. The thumb's like the thing. That's what you need, you know. What? What? No, you 
you'd need at least one finger. Uh, at least one finger with the pickup things, of course. Yes. Okay. So you lose three, <laughs> three, three of the three of the four fingers. Like I, I would happily yeah. lose three fingers and be able to keep the thumb. I would try to negotiate down to two fingers. <laughs> um, <laughs> but regardless, yeah, the thumb very important. Thumb is vital. Yes. Don't lose the thumb. It's yeah, as you said, separates us from our uh, friends down the food. Uh, uh, down the evolutionary line. Evolution chain, yes, of course. Marge calls Wiggum to try and seek help, but she's now going to be arrested for attempted murder. Also, uh, give- yeah, ter- terrific Wiggum. 911, this better be good. <laughs> <laughs> it's the emergency line. I love. Uh, I, I, I do love when Marge wants to um, uh, become a police officer, right? She walks to the police station. She's to say she wants to be a cop. And the cops have got, got a pizza. And she's like, hello? And Wiggum's just like, wow, 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 this better be about pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's going to arrest her for attempted murder. Can I have your address? So she gives him the old one, two, three, fake street. Street. Homer's chasing the dog and he offers Sansel help with people food, but that doesn't work. Flanders <laughs> is reading Harry Potter to Todd. <laughs> um, and yeah, just the Harry Potter, clearly not a, a fan favorite in the Flanders homestead. They throw it in the fire. They run through. He tackles Sansel's little helper. It goes flying out, lands on Rod's train set, and Homer just, boom, smashes the train set. I got a huge laugh out of that. I've got to say, <laughs> just uh, crushing the train set with his foot like that, and then just, Wah! Yeah. <laughs> How good is it? Also, I did get a laugh out of, you know, Harry Potter being regarded as demonic. I love that yes. that was kind of the um, the controversy surrounding Harry Potter for a while that, you know, you was had all really? these. Uh, oh, yeah, in the, in the early 2000s when it was really starting to take off, I think you had some... I don't want to diss anyone's faith or belief system or anything like that, but some real god bothers who are basically saying, this is promoting Satanism and witchcraft in our youth. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing that that was the greatest controversy surrounding Harry Potter for a while, and I don't know. <laughs> it, not pu- cancelling J.K. Rowling, which is, seems to be the thing these days. The public burnings of, uh, of Harry Potter books. Oh, yeah, there was. I imagine there probably was something like that. But, uh, yeah, that... Yeah, people were very down on the uh, on the world of witchcraft and wizardry that uh, that J.K. created, and saying it's a bad influence on our kids. <laughs> oh, fucking hell! <laughs> they drive to the hospital. They crash into Wolfcastle's Ferrari. I have to do awful things to pay for her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering what he did. What's if, the awful if he's talking thing? about? If he's talking about like horrible movies? Well, I'm just assuming to- gay. I'm just assuming gay porn, right? Okay. I'm, I was wondering that if you had to, you know, sort of go and like hang out with um, Saudi princes and you know, sort of Middle Eastern dictators and like as at their parties or something. It's like, but I feel like he would enjoy he, he would no, he would enjoy it because there'd be plenty of beautiful ladies there. It's true. It probably would be a good ego booster around here, Wolfcastle. Yeah. yeah <laughs> okay. Then mm, yes. <laughs> What as far as the awful things that Rainier Wolfcastle had to do to earn his car, your mileage may vary. Use your imagination, listeners. Yes. He they end up stealing the car, stealing the Ferrari, which I've read is a take on Go, but I haven't seen the film, so I'm not too sure. But they're now at the hospital, and his insurance take cover the thumb because the thumb is not a finger. It's like, man, Hibbert's really losing it. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, they end up they're going to go to uh, Doctor Nick's, but on the way they stop by Moe's because Homer wants to get into the. Um... He goes for ice, but uh, yeah, Moe pulls off the. Uh... Impressive medical feat or Jerry rigged medical feat of uh, suggesting you put it in the pickle brine. But it turns out that Homer can't resist a beer at twelve noon. It's his uh, what does Lisa call it later on? His neon brew shakes. 
he's noon brew shakes, I should say. Um, it's amazing. I, I don't know if I was because it's been a hot day here in G Town in Geelong, and when I watched this episode just uh, you know a few hours before we started recording. I was looking at that beer going, oh man, you know, be cold beer would be really nice right now. I'm drinking I don't know a cold I... beer right this second. Oh, hot damn. Oh. I'll try this. <laughs> Can you hear that glass? <laughs> oh. Oh, uh, it's so good. Obvious. It's very good. It's just, it's making me a bit hard to read the, my notes though. <laughs> oh. I, I, I drink so infrequently now that one beer and I'm done. <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> You're getting the special edition there, Listers. Good stuff. We are. So Homer's um Homer is now drunk and he's talking about the Blue Man Group. Now that's a reference I haven't heard for a long time. I wonder if they're still around. I wonder if they're still sort of doing their thing, the Blue Man Group. Let's have a look, shall we? But I just yeah. love Homer's comparison. Total ripoff of the Smurfs. Smurf. And the and Smurfs. The Smurfs. <laughs> they suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's amazing, you know, when you sort of hear something like that and all of it just triggers a little memory within your head. For some reason, I think when I was around 10 or 11, I think I mentioned my buddy JP, he and I were both really into Smurfs for some reason. Okay. Like you could, you know... Um, I, I, I really liked Smurfs when I was younger too. I think it's just yeah. part of being it's a kid. A, you have to watch, you have to be into the Smurfs at some point. I guess so, yeah. But I mean, you know, we're sort of on the verge of puberty and here we are sort of picking up these little blue characters and, you know, I think JP actually had like a a really nice display case made for them. JP was a very cool guy, by the way. I mean, uh, but yeah, just Smurfs. We were really into them. <laughs> I was looking at Blue Man Group. I didn't realize they were formed in 1987. Wow. Oh. But it says here, in 2017, the Blue Man Group was purchased by Circus Soleil, who announced ah. that they would be expanding the concept. And that's it. That's all I see. Ooh. So they're now owned by Circus Soleil. There okay. you go. So, so they're, they're Blue Man Group. The Blue Om. <laughs> the, the group the Blue Om. Um, uh, how good is the, the, the French laugh in Lisa's story? That is good. And I want to talk a bit about that when we get to that as well. Okay. Well, okay. Well, let's continue with Homer's story. So he's drunk and uh, he goes outside. He gets the, the, they pour the coffee in him. He wakes up. Where's Marge? Oh, that is so rude. Oh, I know. Oh, hitchhike. Oh, why isn't it working? Hey, thanks for stopping. Taint nothing. You and me share a common infirmity. If anyone ever tells you a hog won't need a finger, they is lying. I don't think I would get into the car with Cletus, would you? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> well, the funny thing, though, when he walks outside, Marge is gone. That is so rude. <laughs> After just spent ages drinking in there. But um, so, yeah, so he's now in uh, Dr. Nick's. They get there and it's unfortunately, it's already burnt down. Inflammable means flammable. flammable? What a country. <laughs> it's, honestly, though, it is really one of those things where it's like... It actually makes sense. Like, it actually yeah. makes sense that you'd be confused by that. <laughs> yeah, you would think inflammable means it's not flammable. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it means flammable. The English language makes no inflammable. sense. Inflammable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so then so we don't know who yet, but someone steals Cletus's car. Homer just gives up. You know, he's going to walk, but no, it's going to be 20 miles. It's too long. And he's about to just sort of say, part with his thumb. And here's the explosion. And it's revealed that it's Linguo. And his head lands in Homer. Linguo, dead. No, Linguo is dead. 
Oh. And uh, I'm, n- n- nice touch of Homer closing his eyes. That was a nice little touch, yeah. There's a, just a, a bunch of good little bits in this episode. Um, also, look, I wanted, I won't lie, I would probably like having a linguo around. Although my a pom- grammar is... A pompous linguo. Yes, indeed. My grammar is so perfect at the best of times anyway that linguo would probably be gathering dust. He could not correct me. <laughs> Who are you, Mitch? <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you the Mitch experience with this episode. <laughs> so it's now Lisa's day. We get Flanders at the start, and Milhouse at the door, blah, 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 with the Homer wink. We cut to Lisa. Uh, Homer's pouring the, the beer into Linguo. So Lisa's raced up to fix him. And this is where Lisa's, the, the fresh content for Lisa's story starts. We hear Homer getting his thumb cut off in the background. I love that Linguo corrects Lisa's sentence. And she's like, <laughs> sentence fragment. Is also a sentence fragment. And he just looks around. Um, um, um. <laughs> yeah, nice little eye shift there. Powering down, saving yeah. power. <laughs> uh, Lisa has missed the school bus. And Martin uh, you know, says, kiss first place goodbye, Lisa, little evil dude. But I- I've read that if you look in that scene, uh, you can actually see Milhouse sitting in the bus, which throws the whole story out the window. Oh. Damn animators. <laughs> wow, that's, oh, that, that's a bad glitch on their part. Yeah, well, I, I didn't notice it until I read it. Doesn't matter. Uh, the Lisa's bike is missing. We don't know why yet. It's just missing. But you know mm-hmm. the fact that they've acknowledged that there must be something that's going to come into the play, come into play later on. Mm-hmm. She goes to get goes to get um, a lift from Marge. Marge is driving off of Homer to go to the hospital, and this is where everything's starting to really intertwine quite well. And we so Lisa's got no other way to get to school, so she's going to run like Lola, isn't she? Oh yeah, got that very. Uh Late uh, 90s techno playing on the soundtrack. Ooh. It reminds me of the music from, um, you know, that you wouldn't steal a handbag. Do, 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 oh. do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I always love those ads. It's like, oh, how, how good how, is it? How, how do you know what I'd steal? <laughs> what, what, what is this? What is it? What is it? It's piracy is stealing, right? Is that yeah. what it is? It's silly, like, yeah, uh, movie piracy is stealing. And then they have to re they have to back it up with stealing is against the law. It's like, oh, wait, what, what? <laughs> I've got a shirt that says in that font from the ad, you wouldn't steal a succulent Chinese meal. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. My favorite though of all time isn't that one. It's the, have you ever hired a video that wasn't quite wasn't right? Quite right. <laughs> oh yeah. And there's always some, uh, some dickhead at the party who'd say, yeah, this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, yeah what was it? Yeah. Have you or, got what or- you paid for? Yeah, or me piping up saying, yeah, Agent Cody Banks 2, Destination London. (laughs) (laughs) And then I got kicked out of the party. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so she's running. Um, She nearly gets hit by Krusty's car. Turns out Mr. Teeny was driving. Krusty offers her a ride. It's just, I love when they just drop her off at the school. Thanks, Mr. Teeny. Wiggum, actually before then though, before they drop him off, I drop Lisa off, Wiggum pulls him over. Ask for the directions to one two three Fake Street. I like that little. Just does everything start to sort of intertwine? It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, Mister Teeny said, "I don't know what you're saying." Lisa finally arrives at school, and you think it's Springfield Elementary because it's all designed the same. But no, it is West Springfield Elementary. And now, Mister Davis, discuss the French laugh. Well, look, I'm just a fan of. I'm a fan of the French in general. They cop a bit of flack occasionally, but uh, they weren't a fan of of uh, Nicola when we went to France to Paris. They, they were. They, they, did not know. They did not like her because she was English. Oh, really? Yeah, we, we okay. were asking for directions and stuff. If I asked a question, it was fine. But if Nicola asked a question, 
I just did not want to help it. And Nick was like, oh, yeah, they don't like English people. I was like, huh, that's news to me. Well, it probably didn't help that she was saying, hey, Frenchie, you yeah. know, or, <laughs> or, or you frog. Yeah. <laughs> Oi, Kermit. Ni- yes, Nicola would never do that, of course. But um, look, I, I am simultaneously impressed and amused by the sort of high regard in which the French hold themselves. Um, oh, yeah. so still, still to this day. Particularly with, yeah, their, with yeah. their food and, look, and wine lot, and everything. A, yeah, having said that, a lot of it is earned. A lot of the a lot of the French culture and uh, and that stuff is kind of a cut above. They do it good is. wine. Yeah. They do good yep. food. They dress well. They carry themselves well. The French language is lovely to listen to. I was going to say, even, um, their, even their accent sounds posh. <laughs> it does indeed. Um, it's um, funny because I've just been watching this documentary on Disney Plus called Imagineering or something like that and, and it was talking about how they've installed all the different Disneylands around the world and when Disneyland Paris was first brought in, they did not want it. There was you know, American culture coming into theirs and they were just like, no, you stay away. And Michael Eisner, who was the CEO of Disney at the time, is given like a press conference and all these people just egged him. I'm just like, you <laughs> absolute champions. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they're, very, they're very proud. So, um, look, I enjoyed the fact that, uh, you know, the class was being taught uh, by, you know, some ridiculous little man with a, uh, you know, pencil-thin moustache and a beret. I believe he was wearing a beret. Disappointed um, it wasn't Willie. Indeed. Um, and I, I remembered enough of... <laughs> I remembered enough of my uh, high school French that uh, Le Grand Oui Mange Le Bombe Mousse uh, translates as the frog eats the grapefruit. Oh, I was expecting something to do with chocolate mousse. No, pomplemousse. Pomplemousse ah. is a is a grapefruit. Oh, okay then. I know so a little bit of German. It's funny how you just sort of you you remember. You, <laughs> I'm you sorry. Remember. I'm just remembering the. I'm remembering Top Secret. <laughs> have you ever seen that movie? No. Oh dear. Okay, then I'm, I I may have inadvertently ruined one of the best gags for you, but. Um, Actually, no, fuck it. It's full of good jokes, so I'm going to spoil this. Just this one for you. But it's it, Top Secret is like, it's by the same guys who did Flying High. and air, I know, it's the same, like but yeah, air, air, Airplane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a piss take on World War II movies. And um, uh, the hero and the heroine have met at this uh, at this nightclub or something, and uh, he's speaking English, and he says, oh, it's, it, she, oh, she says something like, oh, yeah, oh, no, I know a little German. Hey, there he is over there, and they the camera turns, and there's there's a a little person in like lederhosen who goes hello. <laughs> it is it is the dumbest, most obvious gag, but they do it with such energy and such joy. <laughs> oh no, I know a little German. Hey, there he is over there. Hello. <laughs> I feel. I feel, I feel. I feel like that's the kind of gag that people wouldn't dare make anymore. You'd have to have such... You know, at, at the risk you, of You couldn't rely somebody. on it alone. You'd have, have, you'd have to have some street cred to be able to pull off a joke like that now, I think. Oh, I think so. It, it requires a great deal of confidence as a pull of that off. And I think you'd have to have... A, a, you'd have to have so many other jokes in your arsenal. Um, you know, and, and jokes of varying degrees of quality and um, sophistication as well. I mean, if... You, and... Top Secret actually has a few of those, but the fact that they yeah, just have a joke that's so blatant, but it's so, so funny. Anyway, I'm going to so. look that up on YouTube the second this finishes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, yes, but um, yes, we're at the, uh, at the French class. The, uh, the class is laughing at it, but then they are informed by their haughty teacher, 
marron en français. Dumb, yes, the laugh goes from. <laughs> Which always reminds me of my friend Anthony because whenever anyone sort of, whenever we're talking about the French in a disparaging manner, which isn't often, um, we usually refer to the French as. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I think that's every Australian's impersonation of a French person. It's pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're, ter- we're terrible people. <laughs> I imagine what I can't imagine what they're saying about us. Probably very complimentary. They wouldn't even waste their breath on us. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, Lisa meets Thelonious here, um, and she just instantly falls in love, doesn't she? I almost fell in love. He's Thelonious was very well put together. He looked like a nice kid. You know, he yeah. dresses well. He's got the vest, and I don't know if he's wearing a tie, but you know that vest will look nice, and you know he's. Hair was in good shape and the glasses suited him. Oh, you could do far worse than Thelonious. Yeah, I you think. put a you put a ring on that one, that's for sure. Oh, one hundred percent you would. Snap that boy up. They they're spinning around for hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> how good was it? The little cut to uh, linguo in the in the circle as well, spinning around. Yeah, a, <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, yes, um, a, a shout out to the line that um, well, Lisa, of course, being a jazz fan, uh, thinks that Thelonious is imp- inspired by Thelonious Monk. The great, uh, the great jazz man. Lonnie Smoke was a very good jazz man. Um, he says, yes, the esoteric appeal is worth the beatings. Oh, sorry. I was rushing because I'm in the wrong school. <laughs> Can you believe that? It's understandable. All the schools in this area were built from identical plants. I guess they didn't have enough money to hire I Am Pay. <laughs> oh, you know about I Am Pay? I am impressed. <laughs> My name's Thelonious. As in monk? Yes. The esoteric appeal is worth the beatings. What do your friends call you? I don't really have any friends. <gasps> Just like me. We've been spinning for hours. I've got to get to my school and hand in Linguo. Oh, but I don't want to leave you. You must. You can't sacrifice grades for romance. That's not the girl I fell for. Will I ever see you again? Of course you will. At the Magnet High School. Now go. This thing she's created here, Linguo, is it like something that's worthy of a, of a primary school science fair? It's like, it's a million dollar fucking it's It's an machine app. here. It's- it's it Grammarly. It's the <laughs> it's the actual it's the actual Grammarly app. It's like it's a, it's a, and in two thousand and one, like she, she's way ahead of it. Yeah, time. yeah. And I must, by the way, yeah. Negative shout out to Grammarly. I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Um, no, I, I, I know that. of it, but I've never used it. It's kind of like Tinder. It's nothing like Tinder. No, no, no. As in, like I know oh. of it, but I've never used it. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> that stepped on a very good joke there. I'm sorry, Dan. <laughs> um, no, I just remember that there was um, oh, there was a terrible ad for Grammarly a few years ago that had, um, and it was just me being a, like, I was grumpy first of all because I was old and you know life was passing. You know, my oh, life. How good being grumpy though? Oh, it's fantastic! Oh, <laughs> absolutely revel in it. I mean, just, I, while I wake you're up young, every morning, I look at that window and I fucking find a cloud. I yell at it. Oh God, yeah! While you're young, young people out there, revel in your youthful metabolism and your full head of hair and your clear skin and all that shit. But when you're old, when you're old, yeah, just revel in like 
everything sucks. Oh my God. The 90s was so much better than this. Oh my God. I can't begin to tell you. Um, oh, what you, I've just listened to, you know, the Triple J Hottest 100. I don't know. Was there actually three songs in there? They all sounded the bloody same. And they were all sung by six year old girls. Yeah, that's. There you go. I'm just letting a bit out. That's that's what it's like when you get older. Um, you're, you're basically just like, look at that haircut. It looks like a it looks like a girl. Now there's a haircut yeah. that you wash to. <laughs> exactly. You're basically Arnold Schwarzenegger at the start of Commando saying, "Why don't they just call him Curl George?" <laughs> anyway, no, um, it is one of the it's one of the upsides of getting older is you get to be grumpy. Um, yeah. How do we start people, talking about people that? people accept you for it, yeah. Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah, uh, Grammarly. It's a, it's a shit site. And I, I, they had this ad that I really hated where it was like, it's my first day on the job as the social media manager for this cool new company. I'm not exactly sure what to do, but Grammarly will help. It's like, how the fuck did you get this job if, you know, you're just using grammar and spell check? <laughs> is, 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 who, who are you, Jerry Seinfeld, hating commercials? <laughs> What was that commercial he hated in the last episode we talked to Talking Science? Dockers! Dockers, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I probably won't, I probably shouldn't do it on the podcast. <laughs> Maybe for a very special episode somewhere down the line. But I don't know if we've ever talked about, you know the comedian Bo Burnham? I don't. Yeah, uh, he was on a he was on a podcast with a guy called Pete Holmes. And yeah. I think these guys have done stand-up together and they're close friends and all that. But, you know, they went on for three hours and... Bo's an incredibly clever young man, one of the young people I do like, um, and um, they were talking about this riff that sort of comedians would do off stage or after hours at the comedy store or whatever called Dirty Seinfeld, where they would just come up with the dirtiest, crudest material ever, but sort of do it in like a Jerry Seinfeld manner, like... Um, and they did this one particular bit that is just... No, I'm sorry, it's far too raunchy to mention on this podcast... But um, yeah, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> okay, I'll do it now. Okay, that's probably not going to make the um, make the cut. But uh, that, that could be the Christmas show. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think we should probably allude to that. You know, in on the on social media or something. Say this is the episode where guy made a joke too crude to go to air. Would you like to hear it? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to hear more? <laughs> <laughs> My dad's not here. I need a ride to school. Yeah, yeah, we all got problems. <sighs> Chief Wiggum, can you drive me to school? It's an emergency. Uh, no can do, dollface. I got an informant wearing a wire. <laughs> Just like on Nash Bridges. We're trying to get the goods on some smugglers. Why, I'd be delighted to sell you some illegally smuggled goods. That sounds like Fat Tony. Mm, only one way to be sure. Fat Tony, is that you? Fat Tony? Hey, where's that voice coming from? This guy's wearing a wire. Take him out. My bad. Can't work my answering machine either. <laughs> now I need a new informant. Hey, say, Lisa, people trust you. How'd you like to be a snitch? The pay stinks, but... Oh. She goes out the front. She sees Marge there. Um, and Marge over here is Homer talking about the Blue Man Group. She knows he's going to no, be a while. He's on the Blue Man Group again, yeah. <laughs> yes. So they, uh, they, they drive off. They run out of fuel. They end up stealing Cletus's car. And this is so we, we find out that when Cletus's car goes missing, it was actually Marge and Lisa because they jump. Oh, first, they jump at the back of his car, then they steal it when they get to the hospital. And then Bart's head comes out of one of the sewers, and they cut to commercial as you think he's about to be hit. Good cut mm-hmm. to commercial. Very intriguing. It was, wasn't it? I like that. All right, now it's time for Bart's day. 
And it's 7.03 a.m. once again. How good is that alarm clock? I want one. I've written that down as well. Pretty neat alarm clock, exclamation mark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the whole snooze thing. I mean, when I first saw the snooze, that, that's pretty neat. And then for it to follow up with, yeah, still lazy, are you? And, uh, itchy and scratchy come out and start beating him around the head. I thought that was really neat. Are alarm clocks still a thing? I uh, know. Everyone just uses their phone now. Everyone just uses their phone, don't they? I mean, yeah. What, but it seems like both watches and alarm clocks have sort of become, you know, well, watches have become just a prestige item and not an everyday item. And alarm clocks well, seem what, to have yeah, watches fallen are just by the for, what, Watches are just if you're pompous enough to want to have something on your wrist. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel kind of, you know, not naked without a watch on my wrist, but I mean, it's like, hey, oh, I forgot to put my watch on. Yeah, yeah but I mean, like if a 25-year-old is wearing a watch now, it's just like, come on, mate, you, you, you're never looking at that thing. You check If you check the time, how, how often do you look at a young person who's wearing a watch who checks the time I'm, by looking at their phone? <laughs> I'm certainly not looking at any young people's wrists, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, oh so, sorry. <laughs> Apologies to the lovely Louise and all the young people out there who I'm perving at. <laughs> For one minute you don't like them, now you're perving at them. Make your mind up. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so he's been working up by his alarm clock. Um, we finally find out what Millhouse's big news is. And then he's found something that's a, a, a billion times better than dead bodies. Or cool in a, or it's cool in a billion dead bodies, I should say. Um, it's in the woods. So they take Lisa's bike. And so we, we, we there's the final story. Like Bart's Day is one that sort of puts everything together, isn't it? It does, yes. It, yeah. uh, it all it all comes together, tied together with a neat bow. Yes. Uh, so they take Lisa's bike. It's disturbingly comfortable for Millhouse, but whatever. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's one of those things now where you just wouldn't make that joke anymore because, you know, a dude riding a girl's bike, who cares? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, they, How great is it? A great Millhouse quote. This is where I come to cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they find burlap sacks full of fireworks and it's pretty much Bart's wet dream, right? Fireworks. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I feel like Bart um, would rather find fireworks than bags of money. <laughs> are we... Uh, yeah, it seems like American kids are huge on fireworks. I think that I think our friends in America probably have more, you know, uh, firework-centric celebrations. Oh, England do too. Because England have a day in November where they set off fireworks. Well, it's Guy Fawkes Day. It's correct. Yes, yes, yes. So when Joe Biden won the election, England set off fireworks for Fawkes Day. But England, uh, sorry, US news websites were running a story saying even our friends across the pond were celebrating by setting off fireworks. <laughs> and I'm like, you obnoxious idiots. <laughs> yes, exactly. And plus, you know, it's celebrating Guy Fawkes Day. Guy Fawkes was trying to blow up the Parliament building. Yeah, I know. It's it's bizarre, isn't it? But It's but, not exactly a political celebration, dudes. <laughs> getting back to your, your point, though, in Australia, like Australian kids don't seem to have such a love for fireworks, but it's because we don't get access to it. Or in Victoria, anyway. I guess not, yeah. I mean, I remember playing with firecrackers when I was a kid. I mean, well, I think, well, my mum said she did as well when she was younger. I know my mum was much older than what you are, but she used to say that, that, much. that apparently kids were like blowing their hands up and stuff, so they stopped it. Yeah, that would make sense. Probably, yeah, kids have probably lost the... I don't know if they'll blow off a hand or anything like that, but they probably lost the tip of a finger or two. I mean, I, I, would, I would prefer if Elliot couldn't just go to the shop and buy fireworks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, look, we did a lot of stupid stuff back in the day. I mean... You know, we we didn't think it was perfectly good to drive while you were pissed, but you know there weren't, and there were laws against it. But you know, there weren't booze buses around or anything like that. So you know, we used to smoke a lot. We used to smoke a lot of cigarettes. 
Yeah, it's funny with smoking now. It's kind of like you never see it anymore. It's like they they, they hide the smokers now, isn't it? Smoking pretty much. Even yeah. when I was growing up, it was like I would say it was the cool thing to do, but it just it just felt like every adult that I knew smoked. My I would certainly didn't. say it was the cool thing to do, Dando. Smoking okay, was okay. fucking cool. Okay, my my parents didn't smoke anymore. My mum smoked until she was pregnant with me and she just went cold turkey and gave up. But it's just like, I reckon maybe from about 2000 onwards, smoking, and me personally, I just dislike smoking. I think it's just, it's just the smell of smoke makes me sick. But it's just like smokers now, you look at smokers and go, ugh, smokers, get away from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind cause, of. Because they're so segregated now, when they enter a room after smoking, the stench is so overpowering. It is a bit. It's funny. I was thinking about you know my uh, nightclubbing years in the uh, in the late eighties and early nineties, and yeah, we'd be packed into these tiny rooms, and yeah, you know, sixty percent of the people in there—that's a rough estimate—would you know be probably be smoking. You'd go home the next day, and you'd just be absolutely reeking. Yeah, you know, you'd have to you'd have to have your clothes cleaned or dry cleaned after a night out because you know <laughs> you were just. I covered in anything in... worse. Ugh. Oh yeah, thinking about it now, it's like oh, that's pretty revolting <laughs> back then. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we were like, um, what you know, we were like Nixon's uh, pig pal. Here he is. Here he is rolling in his own filth. That was us. We get the uh, the montage here. I always enjoy a good montage on The Simpsons, especially a, a Barton Millhouse one. So they're having a great time with all the different crackers. They're blowing up the gnomes at Skinner's house, <laughs> Fort Frag. I did. I really enjoyed this moment. We're not ready. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> and then they set off. They're gonna. So they try to like, put, like turn Lisa's bike into like a, a motorbike, essentially. But the tire yeah. flies off. The wheel flies off. Ends up, and we get the sea captain moment. Do you want to discuss the sea captain moment, or do you think we've already mentioned enough? I think <laughs> we've, we've discussed we've it more than enough. One hundred percent. But that's what sets fire to the hospital. We learn so everything here. Like we said, it's all. It's sort of the final pieces to the jigsaw. Mm-hmm. They're hiding out as a, as a result of this. They're hiding out in one, two, three Fake Street. I got mentioned. a good laugh out of that. I thought, well, you know, I didn't actually see that one coming. Nah, nah. Sort of uh, everything. Everything in this episode happens for a reason, which is why what makes it really, really fun for me. Yeah. Even things that you don't think are going to matter later on do. It's like, oh, yeah, shit. Okay, cool. So that makes sense now. But Lou, as you said here, he asked to hold his gun sideways, a, a traitor of late 90s, early 2000s cop films, action films. Um, they Even Wigan, when he walks in, drop the knife, Stabitha. <laughs> <laughs> the cops have some great lines now, don't they? Oh, they do. They find Barton Millhouse with all the fireworks. There's a way to, for them to be released and allowed to be free. They have to be snitches. <laughs> Great. Grouchy's ghost. We've uncovered a hardcore cracker house. There's enough Chinese sky candy here to put you boys away for a long time. I can't go to juvie. They use guys like me as currency. Yeah, they'll pass you around like, like currency, like you said. How good is it here? So Wiggum's making them put the wire on. Hootie and the Blowfish. Yeah, it's cheaper than a blank tape. <laughs> oh, poor old Hootie. <laughs> they, they sing Let Her Cry, right? They do. I mean, their songs aren't especially bad. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about Creed or Nickelback here. I mean, Hootie and the, I'm not gonna Hootie lie. And the Blowfish. I'm not going to lie. I liked Creed and Nickelback as a kid. Okay. but <laughs> I'm using sort of obvious examples of bands that people don't like. I could have gone insane. Oh, no, no, no. They, they are like considered a laughing stock now but as a kid i was all about it <laughs> until yeah, but- until i put the cd in the car and mum heard chad say i prefer your pants around your feet 
And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you ain't listen to this shit anymore. <laughs> That's right, because Nickelback were kind of Nickelback were rock, or or yeah, and Creed, were, but Creed were kind of inspirational, weren't they? They were, they, they were Christian up. rock. Can you take me higher? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they sing that My Sacrifice and With Arms Wide oh, Open. That's With Arms Wide Open. That was literally on the radio today when I was at work in the warehouse. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you reminded me of my well, when I used to be in the warehouse and um, one of the things, I, I bonded with my young friend Raf. I shared disdain for, um, I think it was Blink-182, and, and their, particularly their song, Adam's Song, which was their attempt to be kind of deep. <laughs> it's like, sorry, it's suicide, Mom, man. I spilled the juice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give Raph a shout-out because, yeah, two or three years into our friendship, we'll still occasionally text each other with a, sorry, Mom. <laughs> we have a joke with my so, friends and I my, my friend Phil is Filipino and instead of what's my age oh, again it's where's my Asian friend <laughs> 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 oh man anyway high school years oh, good times dear. okay yes this is <laughs> a, a fascinating and terrifying glimpse into what it would be like to be friends with Dando and or myself <laughs> so uh, where are we up to oh, who did the blowfish yes so they approach the mafia, wanted to yeah. buy fireworks, and Wiggum straight away blows their cover, asks if it's Fat Tony over the thing. Yeah. Shout you! <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny now that you say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> Is that you, Fat Tony? <laughs> and, you know, just, you know, and shout out to Montaigne, who, you know, Joe Montaigne, he just clearly relishes wrapping his lips around some of these lines. He won't let anyone else play Fat Tony. He loves playing the character. When we interviewed him, Mitch and I, you can just tell he has a genuine love for the character. Oh, well, I've got a genuine love for Joe Montana. So if we ever do another interview, yes. I'd I be feel like we could I feel like we could set that up. Do you we should start doing some interviews again. Do you want to get Joe on the show? Let's do it. Let's get Joe on the show. Get him on the show. Because like the fact that Joe's like a genuine actor, I feel like you and him could just chat for ages because the guy was a True gentleman. Oh, look, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry in advance, Simpsons fans, if we do get an interview with Joe Montaigne, at least 50% of the interview will be like, oh, man, you're in the original Broadway one of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Oh, shit, tell me all about it. And <laughs> at, at which point our Patreon numbers just, you know, drop by 80%. <laughs> it's like, who are you, um, Mitch? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so... Yeah, so that so we learned here that the guns weren't guns; they were actually crackers. Um, they removed their guns, but shot her ankle. Surprise me. <laughs> um, Bart and Milhouse escaped through the sewer. Marge only slightly hits him in the head with the car, which would still cause some damage. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> wouldn't just go bink. It would actually, yeah, probably knock you out. But anyway, so the mafia chased them. Marge throws Linguo when they've got them cornered in the uh, in the alleyway, and this was just hilarious. So the the language of the mafia. Just destro- <laughs> destroys, um, destroys Lingo. It puts him into an overload. It's hilarious. Hey, they's throwing robots. They are throwing robots. It's disrespecting us. Shut up, your face. Shut up, your face. What's the matter, you? You ain't so big. Me and him are gonna whack you in the labanza. Bad grammar overload. Error, error. 
it all works out in the end though, doesn't it? So Fat Tony, he offers a solution for because they got to, at least has to get to school in time. Homer's got to get his thumb fixed. Thankfully, Legs, uh, you know, is the, the doctor of the mafia, so he stitches Homer's thumb back on. And that becomes also, a science project. Also, I, th- I had to look up the word bipartite, um, which is the solution that Tony offers. Turns out it is involving or made by two separate parties. Well, there you go. Hmm. It's kind of self. It's kind of self. Uh, I assume it'll be something along those lines. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed. But I hadn't it- heard that word. I don't think I'd ever heard it before in my life. Uh, so, uh, it's like, what was that word you learned last week? Uh, travesty, disaster, fiasco. No, no. They, we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking. We're talking about Simpson Safari here, right? Oh, the, 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 take it that! It's one, one of the words they used in the um, the tribute to the Bag Boys at the end. Oh, ineptness. Yes, that's yes. right. That's right, and I was a bit angry that they weren't using ineptitude. But uh, you were an angry man last week. Angry, angry man. <laughs> I was, but I've, I like to think I'm a bit more jovial this time around. Oh yes, much, much, much funnier. But it, it, after we recorded that episode, there's a, there's a quote from um, oh god, sorry, who voices Hank Scorpio? Um, Al Brooks. Albert Brooks. Uh, yeah, he he goes. He plays a character where he's just like, and oh, no, I was actually this is crusty. It says this quote actually. He goes angry. Angry young man. <laughs> That's all that was in my head the entire time. I'm like, man, guys, angry, <laughs> angry, angry. <young> but <laughs> but thankfully, you're much happier this week. Um, yeah. So all's well ends well. Uh, Lisa wins the science fair with her science project on Homer's thumb being uh, so back on with a long and painful recovery. And we get Mr. Teeny saying this plot makes no sense. Tell the people. And I thought, I don't get that. Did you like? It's funny when they wrote this episode. Did they think? Ah, oh, this this is this is going to be the silly one. We need to point out the fact yeah. that this is silly. It's like no, this is actually the the most logical one. This is actually a kind of cohesive. I think if you're going to be this kind of ambitious, you know, if you're going to play a bit fast and loose with the storytelling formula, um, then you've got to you've got to bring your A game. You do have to. You can't cut any corners or anything like that because yeah, if you're making a feature of the fact that you're taking an unconventional approach. Yeah, you'd better get it right. Otherwise, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, they went for the, you know, uh, I'm going to use a really bad, uh, probably an incorrect basketball metaphor here. But yeah, they went for the three-point layup and they just fucking bricked. <laughs> I'm not sure you can have a three-point layup. I think a two-point layup. Okay, two-point layup. I don't know. Uh, it sounds. I think, a, I think a layup's when you're near the board. I don't think you can have a three-pointer from the board. <laughs> okay, then. Well, it's it's one of those it's one of those sporting terms that I tend to mix up. Like over-under. Do you, have you ever heard that term in gambling? Like, what's yes. the over-under on this? Yes. I, I still don't know exactly what it means, and I've looked it up maybe six or seven times because I just love saying it. It's one of those <laughs> things that makes it sound cool. Like, I'm not going exp- to explain it to you because I, I love the fact that you still don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, I'm, yeah, I, I still don't quite get it, but I love to say, oh, look, God, what is the over-under on this guy saying this? You know, when you... <laughs> and, like, what exactly do you mean by that? I don't know. He's probably going to say it. <laughs> we, um, we were flicking But maybe he's not. <laughs> we were flicking through Foxtel the other day and um and poker was on and I thought, man, remember when poker was like the thing? Oh, Everyone yeah. was playing poker. Watching go, people like, play every poker. Every pub in Geelong had like Friday, Saturday night poker nights, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that there is there as are maybe two or three decent players in Geelong who probably just went in and took a bunch of, you know, dilettantes and part-timers for all their cash. Oh, they would have cleaned up. It would have been so good for them. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... Oh, before we uh, wrap up, if you stick around to the very, very end, 
Over the Gracie, what do you hear? En français. <laughs> oh, nice one. Awesome. Yeah, I, I, I do appreciate it. I always stop it to make sure that I don't spoil it for myself. I like to be surprised when you tell me what the Gracie is each week. <laughs> well, one of my little, yep. little pleasures of life now. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to provide that for you, Dando. But yes, good to the last drop this episode. Yes, Trilogy of Error from start to finish. I think this... Oh, no, I don't think... I know this is my favourite of season 12. It's one of my favourites of all time. Is it the best episode? I'm not too sure because I think as a, a typical Simpsons episode, I went back and looked through the episodes, I think A Tale of Two Springfields has been, in what I, in my opinion, the best Simpsons episode this season. That's the one with the Who and Homer divided, and the, the city being divided into two area codes. Do you remember that one? I do remember that one, and it was a good one. I it like the one really with Sync. Yeah. You really like the, I like the Okay, yeah, so that, that's a really good one. But you see, it's funny because when we posted that review, a lot of people were commenting, not, not from our patrons or anything, but people who follow the page saying, oh, that was the point that I stopped watching the show. That's a terrible guest appearance. And I thought, have you gone back what? and rewatched it? It's really Wait, funny. What? Yeah. But yeah, that New Kids on the on the Black was a, another really solid one. But I just think, yeah, my opinion, Tale of Two Springfields has been the best Simpsons episode of the season. But Trilogy of Error, by a long margin, is my favorite. What did we learn, Palmer? What did you learn for the episode, Mr. Davis? Uh, I learned that if you uh, do sever your thumb in a uh, fudge-related incident, don't put it on ice, put it in pickle brine. Yeah, apparently so. That way it um, survives and it also is delicious to suck later on. <laughs> oh, are you a big pickle juice aficionado there, Dando? Is that, a, is Not- that the, uh, the drink of choice at, uh, at Shea Dando? Oh, I wish it'd be a far cheaper option than alcohol, but no, I um, I'm one of those take the pickles out of the cheeseburger boys. I can't, I just don't do pickles. It's funny. I will always take the pickle out of the McDonald's hamburger, but I will leave it in the Hungry Jack's burger. Do you think that's just because you had McDonald's more when you were a kid, and it just became accustomed to take the pickle out? Quite possibly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's not part of the process. I- you, you can't. It's not a true McDonald's burger until you're taking the the, the pickle out and flung it at the window. I think that is the case, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to recall if I've ever had, like, um, in recent memory, left the pickle in. I mean, I won't leave it in the Quarter Pounder, which is my McDonald's burger of choice. But um, I'm trying to recall if I had, like... Is it a Big Mac? Hang on, two all beef patty special sauce, those cheese pickles. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) It's like doing the alphabet, you know? (laughs) You've got to go through the whole thing. Um, Do you think new generations or current generations know the Big Mac song? I don't think they do. They, they've t- they've taken they've sucked every bit of fun that was left inside of McDonald's. You walk in there and it feels so tainted and sterile. It's disgusting. They do. They kind of. I mean, with all due respect to IKEA or Freedom, they kind of feel like you know they were fl- the latest McDonald's franchise. Felt like it was bought at a flat pack at IKEA or something. Oh, 100%. Where's the, the giant Ronald McDonald to sit next to? And where's the, the hamburger-shaped seats that you used to sit on? And fuck, like, Where is Grimace? The fuck where's Grimace? Betty? <laughs> well, for those listeners who aren't aware of it, um, back in the day, they used to uh, have a an ad jingle that gave you all the ingredients of the Big Mac. And if you grew up in a certain era, then you just knew that it was two all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, and it's on a sesame seed bun. There you well, go. we are. Well, Simpsons fans are well aware because remember when Homer sung it in the studio? <laughs> I so vaguely the, remember that. There was that time he has the uh, the vision, and it's like, like him like being a, a famous musician or whatever. It comes to him just in the studio going, "Do all beef, pay special sauce to the cheese because I'm gonna sesame seed burn." <laughs> <That's right. laughs> 
<laughs> my mum said that when she was younger, when McDonald's first came to Geelong, if you could go there and say it under three seconds, you would receive a free Big Mac. That was the gimmick for a while there. So you had a whole bunch of kids rocking up and, do I beat Patty Special Sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, lettuce, bun. Thumbs <laughs> <laughs> up, kid. Fail. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> go oh, down man. to take, take your act to KFC, you little shit. Um <laughs> Uh, but re- I'm sorry not to focus on burgers and pickles all too much, but recently I've been, you know, getting a bit of mincemeat, some spices, all that kind of stuff, making my own burgers and um, making my own burger patties and then, you know, constructing the whole burger and actually bought like a jar of um, pickle pieces or pickle slices or whatever from the supermarket and inserting them into the burger because I think it adds that certain je ne sais quoi. I'm adding pickles. I'm not, I'm not subtracting pickles. I'm adding pickles. Or do you add them, and then when you're about to eat it, you remove them again? <laughs> oh, God, that'd be... <laughs> no, I have not yet. But I mean, um, <laughs> but in all honesty, though, when I, I, made, um, I made a burger the other day, and I was halfway through it and realised something's not right. I forgot the pickle! I forgot oh, it! No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, I, so- I, am, I, remember, I remember for the first time that I bit into a cheeseburger, realising that I hadn't taken the pickle out, and I sort of went, you know what? It's not half that bad. It actually tastes quite good. Like I, I've been told that the reason they put pickles into a cheeseburger is because that if they don't, the the high sugar count in the bun makes them declare legally oh, confectionery. So legally they need to put candy. The- <laughs> <laughs> but so which is, by it- the way, uh, also the name of my favourite X-rated movie, Legally Candy. <laughs> okay. um, have I told you what, what I learned? No, I haven't. <laughs> Um, uh, what did I learn? I learned that I really want a friend named Thelonious, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. I've never met anybody named Thelonious, but I mean, if if anyone like uh, anyone like the one from this episode, they seem like a really good time. I mean, they they're not going to be, you know, probably the most entertaining person in the room, but they're going to be someone you can depend on. Oh, yes, and I think you'd have some very deep and meaningful conversations with Thelonious. From this day forward, your names will be. Alrighty, new names, Mr. Davis. The current leaderboard stands at this uh, in third position. Alistair Danik on 14. Ooh, Josh Edge is close behind him, fourth on 13. Uh, in second position, Garode Harrihill on 15. And atop the perch, we have D.L. Gorman on 17 points. Remember, guys, if you want to be a part of the Guy Davis New Name Championship, not to just have your new name potentially read out at the end of this sec- uh, of this section, it's going to be a four-figure discount patient for $1 plus per month. Okay, Mr. Davis, what have we got this week for Trilogy of Error? Okay, well, in honour of the French component of uh, this episode, it's just going to be un, deux, trois. So, starting with one point, it goes to Andrew Pelicati. Pelicati. Um, Pelicati, with Malcolm in the middle of Springfield. Well done. So that's Andrew's first appearance on the leaderboard. Well done, sir. You're now in the wildcard draw. Oh, it is indeed the year of the Pelicati. Um, two points. Go to Josh Garden Hedge. Josh um, Hedge. Wow, he's now equal second position. Well done, sir. What has he got? I don't know if Garden Hedge is going to like catch on as well as say you know Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer or something like that or Top Gear, but uh, we'll get we'll give it a good uh, a good hard go anyway. Uh, Josh Hedge. Hedge. <laughs> Garden Hedge. Uh, if you can think of alternative uh, nicknames for Josh Hedge people, by all means uh, chime in. Hedge Clippers. Anyway, continue. Enough of that. Oh, the, what, we got? what has he got? The Clipper. 
That's it. The Clipper. Yeah. There we go. Josh the Clipper Hedge. Josh <laughs> the Clipper Hedge. Um, uh, he gave us Run Dola Run. Oh, that's great. Well done. I like that a whole lot. Uh, but three points. Two points to Philip Hawkins. Ooh, with, well done, Philip. Yes. With a dolt in the life. Oh, I like it. It's also a Beatles song. I, I figured that, that you'd get a bit of appreciation of that one, mate. So, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, it's one for me, but sometimes it's one for you, Dando. So there we go. Yes. Three points to Philip Hawkins for a dolt in the life. Well done. Philip Hawkins now on four points. He can't quite win, but he's secured himself into the, uh, the wild card draw. So the current leaderboard now stands in, oh, in third position, Alistair Danik, no longer... No longer outright uh, second is Garoud Harrihill on 15 because he's now joined by the Clipper, Josh Hedge, on 15 points as well <laughs> in second position. And D.L. Gorman still just hanging on there in top position on 17 points. Ooh. Don't forget, like I say, guys, for $1 plus per month, you can be a four-figure discount patron, get access to the Facebook group. Uh, you can get access to the, four, uh, the Guy Davis Dunay Championship, a bunch of exclusive podcasts, this show a week early, and much, much more uh, for as little as $1 per month on the four-figure discount patron page. Jamil! Yes, that's right, Homer. It is indeed the mail time here on the Four Figure Discount podcast. Okay, first question comes here from Nicole Catalina, Y-Mixer. She says, what are your biggest grammar slash English pet peeves? She has too many, but hers is when people don't ask a question. They say, may I ax a question? Well, Nicola and I are fiends for watching Judge Judy, and they are notorious, (laughs) the people on there, for saying, Axe. I axed him a question. And I think <laughs> Judge Judy's mind must explode every time she hears somebody say that. <laughs> I think Judge Judy would probably be used to it by now. I mean, I imagine that even once in a while it's probably drifted into her own speech. You know, she'll be at, at home oh, with, Mr. with Mr. <laughs> Judy or whatever. Um, Mr. Shineland. Mr. Mr. Judy Shineland. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, if I've asked you once, I've asked you a thousand times. Sorry, that's that's not even... Uh, what was, was that? That, <laughs> that was meant to be Judge Judy. <laughs> if I asked you once... I think, it was more, I think it was more like the nanny named Fran in all of us. Yeah, Fran <laughs> Or her mother, Sylvia. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so what are your pet peeves? For me personally, I hate it when people add words into sentences that don't need to be there. Like, for example, okay, let's go to Judge Judy. They'll say, where I was at. I was like, no, just where I was. It's fine. Mm. You don't need to add words. Nicola, for example, she'll say, oh, grab me the hose pipe. I'm like, just just end it at hose. What, 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 why, do you, why do you need to put pipe? Well, this is what we say. We say the hose pipe. I was like, but it's just the hose. Yeah, I know, but we say hose pipe. I'm like, okay. Well, some, <laughs> some people have just got linguistic habits that were instilled at an early age and they're pretty hard to break, uh, mm. despite how, yeah, <laughs> how infuriating some other people find them. My beloved sister, Joanne, a worldly woman, an intelligent woman, she was the one who sort of turned me on to books when I was a young man, or I was a little boy, actually, you know... Um, she you discovered know, that porno comic book in your possession, didn't she? She, she did indeed. She was the one who was like, here you go, kid, this will put some hair on your chest. No, no, she... <laughs> That did not happen. That did not happen. Um, but she did. She did bring home like um, she used to. Um, Joe's an interesting lady. I mean, she sort of worked all over the world. She was the most um, powerful white woman in Hong Kong at some stage of the nineties. She was like uh, the deputy general manager of the Hong Kong Convention and Exhibition Center. Huge kind of thing, and she was yeah basically 
close to running the whole show. Before that, she was running fashion exhibitions in London. But before she did that, she was a wait, librarian. Who, who are we, wait, who are we talking about? This is my eldest sister, Joe. You're, you're still talking about your sister. Okay, I was just like, did I miss? Did I blank out for a second? There, you've gone from talking about your sister giving you comics to one of the most powerful women in Hong Kong. I was like, this is the same out? woman. <laughs> this is the same cool. woman. Yeah, wow. Yeah. But before all this, she was a librarian in Geelong. And, you know, I think she recognised that... Uh, I, I think when I was born, she was kind of like, who's this little intruder? Um, but then she sort of realised that uh, he might be able, he might have a brain in his head, perhaps. I'll try and cultivate that. So she would bring home, like, Peanuts books from the library, mm. and I just devoured them. I loved them. And still love Charlie Brown to this day because, quite frankly, I have a kinship with, um, you know, bald dudes who had uh, unrequited crushes on redhead girls. But... Um, <laughs> Joe's a lovely woman uh, and very, very smart, very intelligent, very worldly. And she loves a coffee in the morning, but she will always call it an espresso. An oh, espresso, yeah. And yeah. one day I just snapped. And I mean, I'm in no position to do this because, well, quite frankly, I also owe Joe $25,000. That's another story. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, well, listeners, he owes me thirteen. <laughs> Thirteen dollars, yes, not thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> You're down the list, buddy. Um, but what I said, I said, it's espresso, es espresso. She said, yeah, I know. I just, I'd call it an espresso. I'm like, okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> and it's that was that. Not hurting, it's not hurting you. <laughs> it's not hurting me. I'll tell you what, though, I nearly kneecapped my relationship with the lovely Louise at an early stage because she was watching the show Ozark. Mm-hmm. Um, on Netflix. You're aware of Ozark? I am for sure. I turned it off the second that guy dunked that baby in the water and I was like furious about it, right? I was so angry. And then I well, found out later on that he's actually just baptizing it. But I turned oh, the show off in, in a furious anger thinking that he was oh. drowning a baby. I was like, how can they put this on television, drowning a baby? This is outrageous. They've gone too far, Netflix. And then I read a review and I'm like, oh, okay, I feel a bit silly. And then I just never went back to visiting the show again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Um, anyway, uh, the lovely Louise was watching this show, but uh, she was referring to it as Ozark. Ah, uh, okay. And I let this slide a few times and then I was like, uh, should I say something? And... What, another time they she say, it, Don't they say Ozark on the show? Maybe they do. Look, I'm, I haven't actually I'm watched it. I'm certain they do because they go to move to the Ozarks. They say we're going to Ozark. Okay. Well, I'd, I've forgotten how far we were into the relationship at this stage. I think we knew we kind of dug each other. So, But um, I was like, uh, should I do this? And I said, I, said, I, think, it's, I think it's actually pronounced Ozark. <laughs> what did she say? She said, I think we should see other people. <laughs> 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 Do you know, Nicola and I's first debate And she was right uh, My mind was blown Was in the intro of Friends When they do the When they do the clap mm. right yeah. I used to clap too many times It's just Oh I, but I used One, to two, go three, And she's like No 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 you do it You clap it too many times And I was like Listen here lady mm. I think I know a thing or two About TV comedy <laughs> she was like <laughs> I was like look And I put the intro on And I was like Holy shit I feel like a goose, but yeah, that oh, was, like, wait, that was like the first, so the first no one I felt one comfortable enough to like to like challenge her on something, and I lost. And I was like, "Oh, this is how the so this is like foreshadowing how the relationship's going to go." You set the tone. <laughs> oh boy! Hey, let me let me just do this in my head. So no one told you life was going to be this way. Clap, 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 clap. No, clap, 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 clap. Yeah, four claps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, four cups. But in my mind, I always always think it was five. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Just, to, to, me, to me, five sounds seems like it would fit better. Gonna go this way. Da, 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 da. Clap, clap, clap. Da, 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 da. I don't know. Uh, we'll save that for the for the friends podcast. That discussion. <laughs> Why only four claps? Yes, indeed. And you know, I think every episode of that will start with Nicola saying, "Hi, I'm Nicola Dando, and I'm right about yeah. about friends." And I've brought along this idiot who doesn't know how many claps are in the most recognisable theme song on TV. Okay, oh, uh, but right. yeah, I mean, oh, I think that's probably it's not even a grammar peeve that one. That's just a pronunciation one. I think if I've got a minor issue, it may be the difference between can and may. You know, it's like, hey, mm-hmm. can I do this? Or may I do this? And may is kind of asking permission. Say you're like on... May, the, may's the polite way. It is. Like you're on a... Yeah. Say you're on a bus and you want to smoke a cigarette. This these <laughs> this doesn't happen. But um, you're at the back of the bus and you ask the bus driver, hey, can I smoke? And of course you can. There's nothing yeah. stopping you from doing that. But you ask the bus driver, hey, may I smoke a cigarette? And at which point they'll probably say, no, get off the bus. But yeah, so yeah. So can can is, like, can's like, are you capable of doing, are you yeah, capable exactly. of doing so? Not am I may allowed. is, am I allowed to do so? Yes. yes. So, um, okay. But the two can often be viewed as synonymous when they are not, in fact, synonymous. All right, here's a question for you, Mr. Davis. Ooh. Uh, Andrew Parker says, taking three movies that aren't otherwise connected, what fun trilogies can you make? I looked at this question and honestly, God, I mean, it was a tough one for me because I'm I'm really good at double features. Maybe I'm just getting old and it's like three movies in one day or night. Forget it. Um, and of course, I do it in that voice. I lo- I love your old man voice is the best. I just I love <laughs> like the, like you, you can tell you're doing the face as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. It's because whenever you do it, you always you, you, you go you pause for a second while you manipulate your mouth, and then you unleash it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, triple features. I'm. Uh, I don't know if I'm all that adept at. I mean, I could I could probably do it if you gave me some time. But I mean, well, Ro- Ro- Robert Dyson says the Terminator, Kindergarten Cop, and Jingle All the Way. So the link there is basically just Arnold, honey. <laughs> <laughs> just like let's watch three Arnold movies. Well, I can, mean, can um, we do a Keanu trilogy? Maybe Matrix, Wick, and Speed? Yeah, or um, I think Point Break, Speed, Matrix. Or Point Break, Matrix, John Wick. Yeah, it's got to, you've got to have John Wick in there. John, to have- Wick, on, John Wick is honestly, I feel like, the best action franchise in a long time. It certainly is. I mean, look, I was a big fan of the Bournes, the, the three yes, original yeah, Bournes. Very different, think- though. I feel like John Wick's more of like a... Almost like it's almost become like a parody of action films. Oh, yeah, I would say so. It's sort of, um, it's not quite ridiculous, but it's it's dancing right up to the edge of ridiculousness and occasionally sort of, you know, doing a little tippy toe over the other side. But yeah, mostly it's sort of, yeah, it feels real even when it's kind of outlandish, like when he's killing people with pencils and books and stuff. Oh yeah, I mean that that uh, thing with the in the library in, in John Wick three. Yeah, where he just crushes the windpipe of that dude with that dirty great encyclopedia, or whatever. I mean, I almost stood up and went, "Yeah, um, <laughs> America." Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I think I did give an involuntary sort of "Yeah" uh, when he slapped the hindquarters of that horse, and the horse just sort of kicked out with its rear legs and just fucked that guy up. I was like, yeah. "Oh, that's so rad!" So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, very partial to John Wick in that regard, but I think. 
having that, you've, I think you've got to have a bit of evolution. You've got to have a bit of time between, you've got to have the three stages of Keanu. So you've got a point break from like, I think that's 91. Was it that long ago? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then um, The Matrix is 99. And then when was the first John Wick? It was sort of like early 2010s, like maybe I'd, 20... I'd say maybe 2012. Let's have a look. John Wick. Uh, yeah, I think maybe, maybe even 20... later. Because I feel like the three films were well, quite quick. It John Wick, be... the first film, 2014. 14, yeah. Okay, well... Three, fil- three films in five years is pretty quick. But I mean, the, it's still like the plot is very... Not that it's not thought out, but it's it's kind of similar each time. You know, it's just Keanu just fucking people up. It is, it is. I mean, and I think I like I think I like the first one best because it's you know, it was the first. The, the, and they hinted at all the um, all the stuff that was going on at the Continental and uh, you know this secret sort of underworld of assassins and all that nonsense. I mean, they didn't give you too much of it. They gave you just enough to like you know, there's this whole secret underground society full of assassins and shit. And I'm like, hey, that's pretty rad. I'd like to know about that, but not right now. Get back to Keanu capping fools. It was the most believable, though, because you had them killing his dog. And it's like, okay, well, now it's time to fuck shit up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think I can recall a film since maybe Dumb and Dumber where they killed someone's pet. <laughs> like, like, I mean, when they, killed that, when they killed his puppy, the last gift that, they, that his wife had given him, I was like, mm. what better motivation could you possibly give an action hero than that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you... I remember sort of reading about it before it came out and thought, that's a... I don't think it was silly because, I mean, it was like, well, first of all, you don't hurt the puppy. I I would certainly kill you if that was the case. But then it's like, you're really going to go with that? They killed his dog and now he's going to kill everyone? Okay. And then you watch it like... They're watching it it's like, okay, well, it's the cutest puppy ever and now it's dead. And, yeah, Keanu's just going buck wild. Yeah, no, I'm buying it. It, it, It's for real. But yeah, yeah the, the, then then this I, I actually really like the second one a whole lot. I think the second one is beautifully made. You know, it's got terrific action in it. Uh, the 4K is amazing. Oh, I don't think I've got. I've only got three in 4K. Okay, so I might have to do a little. Um, I might have to hit the sales on Boxing Day or whatever. Yeah, but it's also starting to drift into. Oh yeah, that whole underworld kind of thing. It's like uh, you let a, a bit too elaborate. Yeah, yeah, too much world building. Yeah, just get back to shooting people but yes. anyway so yeah but i think i think that would be a good keanu triple uh keanu action hero throughout the ages but i mean well, um fu- yeah sorry when it but when it came to like double features i had like well there's like a thematic one that i've got is there's a, a movie about ice hockey called Slapshot. oh yeah, from, I know that, yeah. have you ever seen with, that um, yeah. with uh, paul, Baldwin in it right is that Baldwin? uh no no it's an older one it's got paul newman in it which one's which oh yeah of course i know the one you mean which one's got Baldwin in it not the good one Billy Baldwin was in an ice hockey film. I think it was Billy. Is it Billy Baldwin in an ice hockey movie? You're thinking about Youngblood, hockey film, Baldwin. Maybe it's not Baldwin. I'm thinking of somebody else. Russell Crowe. Slapshot. Slapshot two. Breaking the ice. Star Stephen oh. Baldwin. Yeah. Well, uh, throw that. I think it was in called Slapshot. Yeah, Slapshot two. But it's Slapshot two. Okay, sorry. Okay. Well, yeah. Throw that in the bin, and then throw that bin in the ocean. It's a direct <laughs> sequel to the uh, to the film Slapshot from 1977. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, it's. it's a- it's a cheap cash-in piece of shit. <laughs> have, have you never seen it? Uh, no, I think I just... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's probably great. <laughs> no, it, it's probably... <laughs> I, I, it, I, have, I, I used to watch it when I was a kid. I can't remember anything about it. I just remember there was a bulbard in it and it was called Slapshot. But anyway, continue. The good, the good Slapshot from 1977. Continue. Yes, indeed. Or 76 or whatever with Paul Newman about this uh, on-the-skids ice hockey team in this sort of run downtown. 
And they basically try to salvage their career and attract some buyers just by turning into an actual team of thugs. Um, it's it's really good, but it's also really sort of cynical in that in that good seventies way. You know, when it felt like everything was going to shit, so you know nobody cares about anything. And I like to team that up with a nineteen eighty movie called Used Cars, starring Kurt okay. Russell, um, who plays like this very dodgy used car salesman who wants to get into politics because he figures, uh, you know, <laughs> it'll be a higher class of corruption there and he'll be able to wait more money. Uh, so it's just a really good sort of cynical look at America. So that's a, a double feature that I will play every once every two years or so. So, so it's similar like sort of black comedy vibe to them, have they? Or? Yeah, and similar sort of, yeah, similar sort of themes going through them. I'm trying to think of a third that might be good for that, but then, no, I'll have to stay up late and I don't want to do it. <laughs> but I think we came up with a good triple feature in um, in Point Break, uh, Matrix 1, and uh, John Wick 1. Yes, for sure. Sort of crosses three generations almost. It does. All righty. Final question here comes from the regular mailbag. Mailbag at fourfigurediscount.com.au. This one comes from Stephanie Umbers. Hey, guys. Long-time listener, first-time emailer. Uh, oh. With Christmas just around the corner, I'm just wondering, what are your favorite Christmas Eve traditions? Hmm. When I was a kid, it was I used to always watch this Hanna Barbera Christmas special. It went for like forty minutes, and every Christmas my sister and I watched it. It was just pretty much Hanna Barbera characters singing Christmas songs. Um, since then, though, I feel like Nicola and I we tend to we tend to either watch Muppet Christmas Carol. If I don't watch Muppet Christmas Carol on Christmas Eve, I always watch it Christmas afternoon. Um, I always somehow watch Muppet Christmas Carol, but also one of the Home Alone films. I always sort of gravitate towards the second one. I feel like the second one is just more corny fun. But um, yeah, there's always a Christmas movie. Nicola usually has a Bailey's, and um, yeah, we just sort of we when we wrap up the presents, we always put the um because obviously Nicola's from England, so she, it's usually cold where she is. So they they always have a, a a fire in the house back where she's oh. from, back home in Boston. So we put the the fake fire from YouTube on the TV while we wrap up presents, just to sort of create that homely feel. <laughs> <laughs> is is um Nicola from Boston in the uh, in the UK? Yes, Boston. Yeah, I Boston, th- Lincolnshire. I think that's where they're filming the Obi Wan Kenobi show. Really? Well, I, I guess because there's, there's a lot of open plains there, so like the farm central Lincolnshire of yeah. England. But that that's where they filmed the latest um, Rob. Yeah, Rob Lowe did like a cop show, and he was it was at oh, the Boston Wild headquarters. Yeah. Yes, and it was terrible. Like Nicola, because Nicola <laughs> watched it, because Nicola was a cop in Boston, so she watched it. Like it was in the 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 exact police station where she was from, and she was like, "This is nothing what it's like being a police officer in England." <laughs> this, is, this is how this is how an American thinks being a police officer in England's like. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because I think there was um, a news item going around that um, hey, uh, rumors or reports that uh, the Kenobi series for Disney Plus is being filmed in Boston. And then everyone was sort of like making Bill Burr jokes saying, why is Bill Burr going to be in it? Hey, get out of here. You know, and all. Uh, speaking um, of Bill Burr, how great was your Mandalorian last week? He was indeed, and we'll be talking about that on uh, Take It Like a Mandalorian sometime in the very near indeed. future. Yes, listeners, if you are a fan of Mandalorian, make sure you check it out, our podcast, Take It Like a Mandalorian, available for free on all good podcast apps. Just looking up here, uh, Kenobi Boston UK, it will be filmed in Boston. That is that's crazy. Yeah, I'll see if um, you know, Nicholas Fam can sort of sneak onto the set, get us some, uh, get us some scoops. Oh, we totally should. <laughs> Four figure discount <laughs> scoops. <laughs> All right. Um. Yeah. Continue. I'm trying to think if I've got any Christmas traditions. It's usually that I'll I'll try to watch It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Um. Which is a movie that I just. I... What about the uh, the peanuts? Charlie Brown Christmas. It's true. I should. I, 
I haven't watched that in a very long time, and it's something I should probably track down because, uh, as I said, big fa- big fan of, of Charles Schultz and the uh, and the Peanuts gang. Yeah, just I think that's a cartoon that really sort of shaped my worldview when I was when I was a lot younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll be I'll tend to watch It's a Wonderful Life. I'll try to sneak some Peanuts in there moving forward uh and i will usually watch something by one of my favorite uh screenwriters slash filmmakers it's a guy named shane black uh he wrote yeah he wrote the he sets a lot of his stuff at christmas so whether it's lethal weapon or iron man 3 which he uh co-wrote and uh, and directed that's got a lot of christmassy stuff in it kiss kiss bang bang uh the long kiss good night especially that's a really good christmas movie ultra violent very sweary and uh ho 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 I mean, you, you always go on about Shane Black. He is your favourite, isn't he? He is one of my favourites. He is certainly up there. Didn't he do the latest Predator film? He did, which sucked. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't, it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, which is a real shame, actually. But he, but, he, but he was great in Predator, though, the first one. He was. He was always telling the pussy jokes to Sonny Landon. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I, I liked in Predator. Predator's got, you know, Predator's got some great stuff. It's got some really just effective character building as well, because you see, you know... Who it's Arnold and it's uh Grief Carga, aka Carl Weathers, Mando, um, you know, Sonny Landum, who apparently had to have a bodyguard to protect people from him during the shoot, um, really? Jesse the Body Ventura, you know, big dudes, and then you got Shane oh, yeah. Black in there who's not really a big guy, I and mean, he's like, What's this guy doing there? And they, but luckily, they give him a little moment, I think, on the, on the chopper going in where you know, he's reading like a Sergeant Rock comic book or something, and one of his teammates sort of throws a little roller tape at him and without looking up, he just sort of puts his hand up and catches it. It's like, uh, yeah, this guy belongs here. Okay. I mean, he's not, he's probably not going to arm wrestle. Yeah. He's not going to, he's going to lose an arm wrestle with Jesse, the body Ventura. Um, but no, he's earned his, he's earned his place. So I, I really like that about Predator and I really like Shane Black and he likes Christmas. So um, it all worked out. So every Christmas a Shane Black film. There you go. I think on Christmas Eve you just got to do something that is comforting to you. Oh, you do. You absolutely do. Alrighty, guys. Thank you, Stephanie, for sending in that question. Thank you for listening to the show as well. Of course, mailbag of forfeitdiscount If you want to send us some questions, love to have a really good mailbag for the uh, for the Christmas show this year. So send in your questions. Mailbag at forfeitdiscount.com.au. All right, Mr. Davis. Any final words for our beloved listeners? Le grand oui, manger le pomplebus. Which translates to? The frog eats the grapefruit. Shh.